0: Um, just two things before I begin our series on um, Exodus this morning, which I'm very excited about. Um, please be praying for me this week. I actually uh, fly to Ethiopia tonight. I've got a uh, uh, conference out there that I'm involved in leading, and um, so I value your prayers for that this week. I come back on, uh, on uh, um Friday morning, so um, yeah, value your prayers for me, for safety and God's blessing on the trip out there as we're working with a people group that don't know Jesus, Uh, the people I'm working with do know Jesus, but by and large their tribe does not, so I value your prayers for that. And also, whilst I'm talking about that, I just felt it was right to uh, highlight that we're taking a team out from the church uh, from here on the uh, 8th of July to the 17th of July to Uganda, and uh, if you're interested in that, just please come and uh, let me know. Uh, it's a bit last-minute notice, really, but um, uh, we had to let the people know earlier. I just felt it was right to plug it again this morning. I just feel there may be someone here thinking, yeah, actually, that's, that's for me. So if that's for you, come and speak to me afterwards, but... With that said, let's uh, begin our series on Exodus as we consider God's redeemed people, how God redeemed people from slavery to become his treasured possession. You know, there's many films and sayings that come out of the whole Exodus uh, period and uh, of what God did there. Just wonder who here can think of some films. Just uh, raise your hand and uh, a film uh, for uh, Exodus. Tom. Prince of Egypt, yeah that's a great one, that's a great one. Okay yeah Derek? Ten the Ten Commandments, yes, there's a, I think a 1950s one and a, and a, and a later one as well. Uh, Tom? The Exodus, the Exodus. yes, gods, uh, gods and kings or something like that, yes, yeah. Yeah, there's some more uh, as well, but yeah, they were the they were the three that uh, that came to mind when I was uh, thinking about it. You can uh, uh, show the slides there: uh, the old the Ten Commandments and the newer uh, Ten Commandments. Just to say, some of those stories stay a little bit closer to the biblical narrative than others, but I'd encourage you not to try and uh, develop your theology from uh, probably any of them, uh, really. Um, Terry Virgo says this about the book of Exodus and the life of Moses. Um, He says, Exodus is the story of how God gave birth to a nation. Their identity as the people of God is rooted in their experience of redemption and rescue. And we're going to spend this this series up until the summer. Most of the time we'll spend in the book of Exodus, although we will drift over into the book of Numbers and also into Deuteronomy towards the end. But we'll stay within the first five books of the Bible, known as the uh, Pentateuch or the Torah. And uh, they were written by Moses himself. They're foundational to the whole Bible. In fact, many of the Old Testament prophets and historical accounts refer back to them or they assess what's going on in the light of what God said in these first five books of the Bible. They're foundational to our understanding of God. They're foundational to our understanding of his redemptive plan for humanity as well. So they're key books. So if you've got your Bible with you, then uh, turn, or it's on your phone, then turn to Exodus chapter 1. If not, it will appear on the screen behind me as well. But they do do it in print. So for those of you that want to uh, something new, something novel, get one of these. Um, says this. I'm just going to read the first seven verses, verses to start with. These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his household, Reuben, Simeon, Levi and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun and Benjamin, Dan and Naphtali, Gad and Asher. All the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. Then Joseph died, and all his brothers, and all the generation, and all that generation. But the people... Of Israel were fruitful, and increased greatly; they multiplied and grew exceedingly strong, so that the land was filled with them. Now, these opening verses in the book of Exodus that Moses wrote down, he put them there so that the Israelites would have an understanding of why they were in Egypt in the first place. Of uh, because for over 400 years had passed from when they travelled down there many of them in fact had been difficult years and uh, he was he was helping link their story as a people back to why they were there back to the book of genesis and also highlight the fact that god did warn in genesis chapter 15 that they would have a long and hard period in in egypt itself it reminds the israelites who came out with moses of the promises of god over them as a people. It reminds them that they are part of God's bigger plan of redemption as well. Working out through time, working out in their generation and that they had a part to play in it as well. And My friends, your life fits into a much bigger story than just your life. Your life fits into God's redemptive plan spanning through the ages, but you get to work out in your time and in your generation. In this this time. In Christ Jesus, we get caught up in God's eternal plan of redemption. Get caught up in God's eternal purposes. How God wants to work through you in this time to reach the world around you. You're you're as Rob was saying in that word about being in your workplace. You're there for a reason. God wants to use you to shine out for him. And he wants to also shine out through you into your children and into the children amongst us and into future generations as well. Acts chapter 2 verse 39 makes clear to us, like the Israelites, you have a part to play in God's redemptive story. You see, for God is still taking people out of slavery. He's taking people out of the greatest slavery of all. In fact, the Exodus story is a a picture, in a way, for us to realise the greatest slavery to sin that we are all under, all of humanity. Sin is our rebellion against God, our going against our Creator, and it's subsequent judgment that it leaves us under before God in heaven. But through faith in Jesus, we get delivered. We get redeemed from sin. We get rescued from our sin and Satan and become God's people, his treasured possession belonging to him, bought with the precious blood of Christ on the cross for you, where Jesus died, taking on himself the punishment for all the things that you and I have done that is wrong before God, so that when we put our faith in Jesus, when we surrender to him, we can be forgiven, we can be restored, we can be um, adopted into God's family. So my friends, firstly, as we consider this Exodus story, I want you to realise that your story, your life, fits in to a much bigger story. It's actually why I love, I know we've been plugging it a lot lately, the discipleship course that we're encouraging at church. I love phase three of this course because it helps you to see God's overarching plan in scripture It then helps you see what God's been doing since the Bible was finished being written. Written? Written. uh, uh, I tell my kids off for that sort of thing. Since it's been written up until the present day. And then it also helps you look at your life and see the big story of what God's been doing over your whole lifetime. My friends, your life, just like the Israelites, fits into a much bigger story. You can say, along with the Apostle Paul, that you have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. And the life you now live in the flesh, you live by faith in the Son of God, who loved you and gave himself for you. Amen? Amen. Let's move on. Verse 8. Now there arose a new king over Egypt, who did not know Joseph, And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh the store cities, Pithom and Ramesses, Twice how severe it was. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shipporah, the other Pua, when you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birthstool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, you shall, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, why have you done this and let the male children live? The midwife said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives. And the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and dabbed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, While her young women walked beside the river, she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrew children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? It's ironic that because of the blessing of God on the people of Israel, that they get persecuted by Egypt. God's blessing on Abraham and Isaac and Jacob was that he was going to multiply them, multiply their descendants and make them a blessing to the world. And because of this rapid multiplication, and because of the king's lack of knowledge of Joseph, uh, before him and also because of his own fears it led him to persecute the people of God my friends God's promise on the church today is that He is going to bless it that he is going to grow it so that it spreads to all peoples across the face of the world that the church should be a blessing to all nations yet with that growth Jesus is clear that you can expect opposition and persecution that will come your way. Jesus said, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, for I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you as well. And so there's increasing levels of persecution come upon the Israelites to try and stop this blessing of God on them. They make them work hard, then they treat them ruthlessly as slaves, then they try to intimidate the Hebrew midwives into killing the baby boys. But they, the midwives, feared God above the command of Pharaoh, above the law of the land. At that time, their steps of faith get them known by name and recorded in the Bible. Their names, as Shipra and Puah, in the Bible for all time. And yet, also more importantly than that, their names are known by the living God, and He blesses them. They were probably previously barren; that's why they didn't have children. But God, because of their faith, He he gives them children as well. And my friends, when you put your faith in Jesus, you are known by name. God knows you by name. You're not just a, a number, or there's you know, number two billion and one or whatever of a, of a, my people. You're known and loved by the living God by name. He knows all the hairs on your head, he knows what colours. The hair on your head is, whether it's how grey it's becoming, as mine is, is uh, becoming more grey. Uh, but, uh, but at least, least I seem to still be keeping my, my hair, thankfully. But uh, anyway, anyway, God knows you by name. The great pharaoh isn't mentioned by name. In this book, even though he's the king of all the land, the most important person, if you like, of that time. And because we don't know his name, actually that's led to confusion as to, well, when is the exact date of the Exodus? The traditional date being 1446 BC, based on 1 Kings 6.1, where it says it was 480 years before the temple began to be built, that the Israelites left, and Japheth The uh, judge of Israel would also sort of uh, back that up um, by saying the Israelites have been in the land 300 years by his time. However, some scholars also prefer a later date of 1260 BC because that fits in better with the known history of Egypt and also Canaan at that time. And They take those dates of 480 years of being symbolic of 12 generations also say that would also help explain a little bit more why there's only four generations from Salmon who, um, uh, who uh, married Rahab and her father Boaz down to King David. Um, but equally valid is that that genealogy list is truncated, as the Bible often does that. But do you know what? I'm going to leave that for you to look into and to decide what date you're happy with. Because I actually don't care whether it's a 1446 BC or a 1260 BC. God didn't see it as important enough to let us know which pharaoh it was. But what God does count as important is faith. The faith of these ladies. The faith that you have. Amen. Yes. Without faith. The Bible says, "It is impossible to please God." Hebrews 11, verse six. Yet through faith in God, through honoring God, more than what the world around us says, it actually brings us under God's blessing. It commands a blessing in our life. And just to be clear, Hebrews 11:1 tells us, "Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. When we put our trust in God and take hold of what he says above what the world around us says, even if it gets us criticised, even if it gets us persecuted, even if it means we are not liked. The midwives had to disobey Pharaoh's command, the law of the land, in order to obey God's command On them. Now, Romans 12 and 13 make it very clear for us as Christians that we're called to be good citizens within the land that we live, good law abiding citizens. However, if the law of the land tries to stop us doing what God has told us to do, or encourages us to do something that God has told us we should not do, then along With the apostles, we have to respond, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. You do what you think you've got to do, but we're going to do this, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Or to put it another way, the midwives feared God and did not do what Pharaoh commanded them. We're then introduced to this baby, this who by faith his mother and Hebrews eleven makes it clear his dad was involved in it. As obviously, he would have to have been as well. Yes, he will be involved in that part too. I meant in hiding the baby. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, it wasn't it wasn't Jesus. It was Moses. But uh, um, yeah, so they had to had to hide the baby by faith. We're told, and when they can no longer keep him hidden. They put him in a basket in the river and hand him over to God, who miraculously, and it is, you've got to see it as God's miraculous provision here, softens the heart of Pharaoh's daughter to take pity on this baby, rather than just to think, it's a slave child, I don't, don't want anything to do with it. From the house of the man who tried to destroy Israel, God raises up somebody who would deliver Israel, who would deliver his people. Even Moses' sister, in this account, daring to speak to a princess of Egypt as a slave girl, was an amazing, brave act of faith that she stands in there. And because of her faith, because of her mother's faith, they're both rewarded by enabling to keep Moses and get paid to look after their own child and their own brother in that situation. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? I don't know if you've picked up on this, but in a male-dominated culture as it was back then, the faith of four ladies gets mentioned, even before we realise that the baby is Moses. So be encouraged by that, ladies. I don't have time to look at the evil, that the pharaoh, Did in ordering the murder of the baby boys for his own convenience and his own plan. However, we as a nation are in no position to judge, are we? As we've legalised the killing of many, many millions of unborn babies through abortion. Ladies being fed the lie and families being fed the lie, um, the message that, oh, it's for the best for you. Leaving some people feeling guilty, feeling empty, feeling emotionally damaged. And if that's you here this morning, if if you find that yourself in that situation, or you're watching online, please come and speak to Erica or my wife Anna. They'd love to help bring you to a place of freedom and forgiveness in this, because God wants to help you in that situation. Let's move on. Just. Exodus, chapter verse 11, chapter 2, says this. One day, when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold two Hebrews were struggling together, and he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? And he answered, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely this thing is known. And when Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. So note the Discrepancy there with the prince of Egypt. This is the account, okay? He sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. And they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. When they came home to their father, Raul, who later as we know his name's Jethro as well, he said, how is it that you have come home so soon today? They said, an Egyptian, notice that, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherd and even drew water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, then where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him. That he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave him his daughter Zipporah. And she gave birth to a son. And he called his name Gershom. For he said I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. During those many days the king of Egypt died. And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery. And cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. Hallelujah. Somewhere during Moses' early life, he clearly had an encounter with God which made him decide he's going to identify with the slave people. Hebrews 11, verse 24 to 26 says, by faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ of greater Wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking for the reward. Do you know the sheer wealth and life of pleasure that was on offer to Moses that he turned down to be associated with these slave people? It's incredible to think that he did that. What a challenge to us today, Jesus. Warns us, and Becky Gillies prayed it in the prayer meeting this morning about not being distracted by the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth, as Jesus warns us in the parable of the sower. Sadly, too many Christians get distracted with the pursuit of wealth and pleasure in the here and now. Hobbies and leisure become more important than church and the things of God in your life. Endless hours given in pursuit of wealth rather than your wealth given in the pursuit of God. Moses had it all and he gave it up so that he could identify with the purposes of God. What about you, my friends? What about you? Are you distracted? by the fleeting pleasures of sin that will be no more? Do you possess your possessions or do your possessions possess you? Do you own your wealth or does your wealth own you? Do you control your money or does money control you? Are you investing your wealth that God has given you in the first place in the things that you desire or the things of God. You see, Moses turned his back on that. you, 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 you You can easily skim over that. But he was a prince, a son of a princess in Egypt. He had everything that he could ever want materially and he turned his back on that to associate with the people of God and to get involved with what God was doing. God does call us to give a percentage of our wealth that he has given us in the first place to, into his kingdom each month. Yes, that's true. But these next two weeks that we've got this gift day for the future ministry of, of the church and as Rob said, looking to, part of it looking to build up there is an opportunity for you before God and that's who it's before to take the worldly wealth that he has given you and turn it into something truly valuable. Something of eternal value. It's an opportunity for you, like Moses, to consider the things of Christ of greater importance than the treasures that we have here and now. So, prayerfully, be considering what act of faith, love and generosity God He's wanting you to give. It's between you and God. It's not between me. I, I won't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. I've had to, I'm doing the, the same and had to do the same before God. But God does know. God does see. And he will reward you for your faith and your sacrificial giving. So my advice to you as your pastor is to go for it. And enjoy God's blessing on your life. Enjoy that sense of saying, No, actually, I want to invest in the age to come, like Moses. For Moses, his decision to identify with the people of God then led him to act presumptuously and to lose everything that he had. He even became what the Egyptians considered as the lowest of the low, a shepherd. Remember, they didn't want the shepherds near them. That's why the Israelites, when they came down to Egypt, were in a different what uh, were towards the edge of the kingdom. God had to get Egypt out of Moses before he could use Moses to get the Israelites out of Egypt. And my friends, life often doesn't run smooth, does it? There's often setbacks, there's often things that happen, there's often Painful stuff that comes our way. We think, God, why? Why has that happened? I'm sure Moses had to wrestle with this. Do you know, God has a perfect timing in everything. God has a plan. And sometimes we can get distracted with our plan of what we think God should do, rather than be in line with what God is actually doing. And sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, God is using the hardships that come your way to get the ways of the world out Of you, it takes faith, you see, to endure when you're going through hard times and going through trials. But it's often that faith that you hold on to God with that keeps you faithful when He releases His blessing on you. Because it's so easy to get distracted by the blessing when God brings it on your life. God's timing is perfect, my friends. So trust him. Don't take things into your own hands to try and force things to happen like Moses did. Remember, as the prophet Samuel warned King Saul, presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Yet despite Moses' presumption, God, in his grace, still looks after him, gives him a wife, gives him a child and another child follows, we we know as well. God will still look after you when you mess up. He will still take care of you like he did Moses. But you will have to live with some of the consequences of your decisions as Moses did. But there's always fresh grace. And if you've messed up, just come straight back to God today. Say, God, help me. God, I need you. And God will help you He will be there for you. The passage finishes by introducing us now to God's perspective. God heard. God remembered his promises. God saw. And it finishes by saying, God knew. In one sense, God always knew. He always saw. He always heard. Because he's all-knowing. He's ever-present. So of course he knew. But what Moses is wanting to emphasize here is that it is now the right time for God to begin to move, which is what Owen is going to bring to us next week. What I, want, what I want you to take away from this morning is that God is working out his eternal plan of redemption through his people who get included in it by our faith in Jesus Christ. This brings us under God's blessing but whilst we're under God's blessing we can also expect persecution and opposition to arise from the world as they will hate us Jesus is very clear about that amen amen but let's not care what the world thinks like the midwives let's be people that fear God above fearing the world around us can I invite the, the band to come back up here, please? And just as, a, as I close the meeting now, can I um, just be encouraging you to, before God, actually, I invite you just to stand. I won't just stand now. I just encourage you before God, just to be prayerfully considering what he wants you to do. At the moment. Do you know for some, I feel there there is those steps of faith that God is calling you to, to take. And He's going to give you grace to take those steps of faith. He's you know what I'm talking about, He's been speaking right into your heart all, all the way through this morning. God will help you. Yes, you may get into difficulty for it from the world around, but look to the blessing of God more than the blessing of of people for others of you. You know, as I've been speaking, you've got distracted by the things of this world. They've just they've just risen in your in your vision higher than they should do, and you know you've been distracted. So we sing this song, just surrender yourself afresh to God. Just say, God, I'm sorry about that. There's fresh grace for you this morning. Just say, God, fill me. I want to be focused on you. He will help you this morning. So as we sing this song, just be surrendering yourself to God. If you're here this morning and you want God to just fill you afresh with his spirit, or you want God to bring healing to your body or to your mind here this morning, can I encourage you to come to this space at the front over here? There'll be people here to pray with you. As well, but as we sing this song, yeah, just move forward to receive fresh filling from God's Spirit, fresh faith, fresh healing this morning. But for the rest of you, just be surrendering yourself to God afresh. Amen.